0: We're going to look at the passage that we looked at on Sunday, but we're going to get a bit practical tonight. We will not. I do not have an ergometer. No. (laughs) Verse seven. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. I have my ESV Bible with me tonight, so in case it sounds a bit different, that would be why. Therefore, it says, and again, as we talked about, here's a quote from Psalm 68. When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions that is the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave... by human cunning, by the craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And I want to take a look at really just a a, a couple of these Concepts that are given to us in the midst of all of this. Again, to review, we have Jesus not only having descended to give us the gift of salvation, the gift of atonement, ransoming us through that descent to become like us through the incarnation and through the imputation of all our defiling stink that that ended up with him so that we could end up with all of his glorious righteousness. And here we stand. Together in the body of Christ with that. But Jesus doesn't want us to be content with just kind of being new. He wants us not only to be new, but He wants us to be strong. And He wants us to be mature, and He wants us to do it together and be completely unified. And so the gifts don't just stop with the ransom redemption. The gifts continue not only when he descends to make the sacrifice, but then he ascends again up on high, kind of like Moses did, to, to be able to give gifts to the people of Israel through the law. But now Jesus ascends on high and gives not only the Holy Spirit, but then he gives us people who are there to equip us for the work of ministry. And that's uh, really just two points tonight. Uh, The first is to equip his people for works of ministry. And thus, those are gifts that Jesus gives us. I know we looked at this a little bit earlier, but as we look at this idea of being equipped for the work of ministry, it is vitally important that we recognize that it is not the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, evangelists, teachers, pastors, who are only the ones to do the work of ministry. They're the ones who are meant to rally everyone so that all of his people are really doing the work of ministry. And so through apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, shepherds, teachers, this all is given to us by Jesus to make sure that we don't grow content in anything being anything less than the full measure of the stature of Christ as the body of Christ. We are always meant to become more glorious day by day by day as we're being transformed into his very image collectively. Yeah. And it takes a good bit of effort for that. all A whole lot of intentionality and deliberateness in order for that to happen. And now it's interesting that sometimes I'll, I'll hear this. I don't often hear it in, in, in our kind of close quarters of fellowship, but sometimes in broader fellowship. I'll hear people say things like, well, isn't it Jesus who gave the, um, the evangelists, for example? Well, and isn't that described as a gift that he gives the church? So I guess the evangelists are the ones who are really meant to share about Jesus as they go about you know, meeting people and talking with people. Well, if, if that's how we read that, then we have completely copped out of who we're meant to be in Christ. And somehow we have made ourselves no longer applicable to the very universal command of Jesus to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything. Now, some people have a bit more of a gifted ability, which means that others need to then benefit from a trained ability. And this ought to be encouraging to us, because in the first century... If you didn't have the gifted ability, you weren't getting a trained ability because nobody was educated for the most part. It was the elite, special few. But for us, there in Ephesus then, and then as it is for us now, we are benefited by a God who sees us all and recognizes there's going to be some kartartismos, kartartismos going on here. That's that word to fully equip you To be who you were meant to be, to do work for Jesus Christ. Why? Because you're His masterpiece. You are His workmanship. He regenerated you. He took you from dead in sin to alive in Christ, not to sit on a couch, but to jump on up and use all that you have become for the great glory of the work of Christ. It says that most people have two great needs to be loved and to count. That is to have significance. Well, guess what? In Jesus, you've got them fulfilled in spades. And then he descended so that you know that you are loved. But he ascended. Why? So that you could have significance. So that you could be equipped to be able to make a difference with the days that you have. And prepare others for the days that are to come as well. What more could we hope for? I pinch myself when I think back when I finally understood this from the scriptures. I remember always thinking, what, what is it that I'm meant to do? What is it that I'm supposed to be? Coming up with my own vision statements and mission statements and 10-year plans and all of these concoctions of my own mind that were grandiose and self-focused. And then to finally be able to put all of that aside and realize, whoa, I now know what it is. Not because I came up with it, But because Jesus decided to interrupt my life and show me not just how much he loves me, but how much he wants me to count. Not just me, of course, but every single person, how much he loves you. And now that you know that you've gone from dead in sin to alive in Christ. Also, how much he wants you to know that you are significant, significant to his purposes, significant to his plan. You are plan A. And as we've said before. There is no plan B. You are that important. And he gives us then this opportunity to be trained. Even if it isn't a, a gifted ability, let's say, to shepherd, well, nonetheless, it doesn't mean that we then shirk shepherding. We're all meant to, to shepherd. We're all meant to be good shepherds and to take care one to another, to be our brother's keeper, to love one another as he had loved us. You, you pick whatever the... the um, responsibility might be that you see among the teachers, the pastors, the evangelists, the prophets, etc. All of those things are not compartmentalized just to those offices. Those offices are brought to us to be able to bring us the full benefit and the full spectrum of that skill set so that we can be better used. And as you, as you think about this, Let's say this kind of... Anybody know what a Venn diagram is? Yes. Oh, think of those painful days, eh? So, these guys are happy to raise their hands on this. So, let's just say this, this circle represents kind of your kind of gifted abilities. Well, if, if you are kind of in, a, in an evangelist gifted ability, you may also have a whole lot of overlap, let's say, with being prophetic, you know, with being able to bring forth the word rather firmly. And that likewise may have some overlap, too, with shepherding and, and perhaps likewise some, some overlap with teaching. And who knows where you land on, on, on all of this? Maybe you kind of are, are more of the kind of prophet evangelist type or, or perhaps more of a teacher shepherd type. I, I'm not sure what, where you are in all of this. But, but bottom line, the overall picture is to equip God's people for service to to be servants. Deacons is the is the very word that we have from the Bible that everyone, everyone is meant to be a servant in that truest sense of the word. Now we do have some people who exemplify what it is to really serve and, and we've we've identified them as deacons. But it doesn't mean that, oh good, I'm glad we got deacons because I was afraid that he was going to say I was going to have to serve at this very moment. Uh, no, no. And if anything, the deacons are there to kind of rally you as well. To show that, you know what? It's not that hard to pick up a shovel or a towel or a Bible and take care of this situation. And maybe, God forbid, a plunger. But you can do it. You can do it. Just show, I'll show you how it's done. Uh, but, but, but overall, in, in all of this, the, the, the final idea is that we all, we all are, are all that better equipped, whether through gifted ability or trained ability, to do our part. And nobody doesn't do a part. And the next thing I want to key in on is what he says a little later as he kind of concludes this section. As each part does its work. Every part doing its work. And as you sit here right now, I think it's a good time, as we mentioned last Sunday, to take a bit of a personal inventory. We are are not to do church the way that mainstream Christianity does church just because most churches do it that way doesn't somehow because of the cultural norm of that make it biblical biblical Christianity is that everybody is pouring themselves out for the work of Jesus Christ and you know what we're we're, we're light years ahead I think of, of a lot of fellowships and praise God for that but when you when you really think through it, there's still a whole lot of twenty eighty going on, you know, twenty percent of the people doing eighty percent of the work in, in a lot of different ways. And I, I I would I would be astounded if every single one of us as we sit here, and I'm gonna give a list of things that we can can jump on, if every single one of us really jumped after it. But but how is it that we get to this place of glory as each part does its work it 's not just with as each part does it works, but as we also speak the truth to one another in love. as we do that, I think we then rally everybody to do their respective part yeah. now what, now a lot of times people who use that phrase hey i 'm just speaking the truth in love," yeah. what they just said probably didn 't sound very loving, yeah. and it becomes this kind of you know trump card ah don't hate me just because I'm telling you the truth. Well, you sound a bit like the hater right now, honestly. (laughs) And what just came out of your mouth? Now, the the word love, and I I mentioned this before, and I I think C.S. Lewis does a brilliant job with this, when he talks about how the King James decides in many passages like this one to translate the word charity. Charity, great word, because it connotes this idea of love as we see it in 1 Corinthians 13. And charity, to be charitable or to be loving towards one another is basically not to, you know, give to you as you're a charity in a sense. You know what? I think Christian needs a few bucks. He's my personal charity. I'm going to be charitable to you tonight, Christian. Here's a fiver. Uh, Go be warm and well fed. No, no, it's not that It's, it's to love him in such a way that I think the best of Christian, that I assume the best of him. And when I don't know, I don't fill in the gaps with the worst. I fill in the gaps with charity. And, and as I do, then we make assumptions of one another that err on the side of them being like Christ rather than them being like they were before Christ. And I think this is very important and it'll go a long way as we do try to urge one another, everybody to play their part. And, and I, I, I truly believe this. I think everybody here would be more than excited to step up and help us to really be the body of Christ with every single part doing its work, if we just maybe knew a little bit better, hey, what are some things that need to be done? I didn't know the toilet was stuffed until you mentioned the plunger just a few minutes ago. Thanks for telling me, where's the plunger? Let me go. But honestly, I bet if I said that and I really meant it, there would there probably be like 50 of you that would rush towards it. 50 men if it was the men's room, of course, and, and women, etc. But no, I do, I, I really do believe that. And I think maybe we've not done the best job of always making it clear. What, it, what are some ways. So that you can have it kind of at your ready. Because sometimes out of sight, out of mind. On, on a lot of these things. Uh, and so as we kind of th- think as each part does its work. Here's some things that I, that I think. If is not really a big part of your life right now. As the body of Jesus. As the body of Christ. Well then have at it. Pray for Hampton Roads. Pray for the Hampton Roads Church. Pray for as many people as you can through the Hampton Roads Church. Pray for all the needs throughout Hampton Roads. And then when you're done with that, spread the gospel. However it is that you can, spread the message of Jesus. What is the biggest thing that the body of Christ is meant to do? Spread the gospel. Why? Because the one thing that we can do... Why why are we still on the earth? You know, Jesus has ascended... Why haven't we yet? Well, the one thing that we get to do now better than we can in heaven is this thing. Because once we're in heaven, will we love God better than we do now? You bet we will. Will we worship him better as we fall on our faces before him? You bet we will. Will we understand him better? You bet. Better knowledge? Sure thing. Will we sing better? Indeed. (laughs) Will we be more unified? Oh my goodness, of course. Will we rejoice always? I bet. But the one thing that we can't do better in heaven that God has left us to do now is to share Jesus. Share Jesus with people that don't know. Your opportunities will be much fewer in heaven. Most people will know Jesus. Okay, all. Uh, How about grab somebody and head out? Because then not only are are you doing the work of Christ, but you're encouraging someone else. Right now, it's not like a lot of us are overwhelmed with all of the seeker studies and all of the counseling and care that we're having to do for so many people. Well, if that's the case, well, then why not grab somebody? So let's let's just head on out. Let's see what we can do in the name of Jesus to be able to make a bit of a difference here. Uh, Encourage people in your Bible talk. Encourage people in the Hampton Roads Church. And by encourage, I don't mean you look nice today. I mean really bring scriptural truth that speaks to their soul, gives them security and encouragement and courage to do the great work of the body of Christ. Join in a seeker study. Is somebody that you know seeking Jesus, and are they in a Bible study? Well, butt on in if you can. I mean, you don't want to set somebody off. But, but, but jump on in. Be able to share and encourage in that situation. Maybe take some notes too so that you can gain something from it so that you can be all the more effective at uh, helping someone in a seeker study. Uh, there are a lot of people. I mean, think of all the people who have been baptized in the, in the last year. So, so many. All of them are doing cross bear studies. Why, why not pitch on in? Encourage somebody through those follow-up studies and help them get a great foundation as they begin. Uh, seven. Usher, kids' kingdom, sing, play, sweep, what, whatever it is. Uh, think think of what, whatever those opportunities are. Who's in charge of, of, of kids' kingdom? The birches, right? If, if, you, if you've not been in kids' kingdom yet and you think you're flying under the radar, maybe it's you know, time to go by them and say, hey, you know what? Just so you know, I'm, I'm more than willing to, to help serve with the kids. I know everybody's doing rotations and I, I want to do my part. Uh, and, and ushering, Richard, are you in charge, Richard, or is it George now? Which? I don't mean to put you on the spot. But fair enough. There's Richard. Where's George? Where's, there you go. Right, right, right. How, how many ushers could we use? Oh, my goodness. If we got really good at hospitality so that everybody who was visiting our church got met at their car by an usher and brought in until they were really connected with relationships and a place to sit I mean, most of our Sundays now, you don't know where you can sit. And especially if you come a few minutes late. Many of you do. I see you all. And, but it, but, but, but as, as, as you connect them and, and bring them in, my goodness, what a, what a, what a great difference that that would make. Uh, play, I meant. How many of you play an instrument? You play some sort of an instrument. All right. Now... Dan, Dan Walker, stand up for a second as they raise their hands. Come on, Come on Dan. All right, now ra- ra- raise your hand again if you if you play an instrument. All right, now we could have the most cranking band up here. Uh, you know what? Something that really does seem to follow the twenty eighty rule is offering of first fruits, and I've I've just kind of. done some quick guesstimates on this we don't I don't know by the way who who gives what or anything and we we do that on purpose we don't want you know to, to do giving out of like accountability or anything odd like that but we do know what our average giving is and our our average giving if you factor out all of the youth right all of all of the campus ministry all of the teen ministry not that you're that insignificant but let me just not put it on them for a minute all right but if we factored out all of the youth, which is about 110 10 members, and then we factored out the um, the, the kind of the, the the top 50 givers in in the church, and I'm I'm guesstimating that this is about the right number. But if you take take those 160 people out, then the the amount of money that we give per week is about thirteen thousand dollars. And with those people out, there's about 650 people giving that amount of money, which means they're giving on average. About $20 a week. Or that, that's saying that, you know, as Jesus says, you know, you tithe on the mint and the cumin. Uh, well, you know, keep doing that, but make sure that you're still loving. And it, people, well, where is does it talk about giving a tenth? Well, Jesus affirms giving a tenth. But it's a good starting place. Many, many people give so much more than that. But let's say if, if you give 20, which is the average. I mean, we're talking now 650 people. So it probably is somewhere near, near your neighborhood then in this, right? Unless you're one of those, you know, 50 at the, at that end, or one of our dear, barely givers among our youth, right? So, yes, being encouraged, I don't know. But anyway, so that's 650 of us, average 20, which, which averages then about $200 a week, which means that the average person in our church, the average person in our church factoring out the two ends of the bell curve, the average person in the church, only makes barely $10,000 a year. Median income for Hampton Roads is $31,000 per person. Over $60,000 per household. That's median income for Hampton Roads. I, I, I don't think we're like that far below the, the median, that we're like one-third of the median. Uh, of some, So even if we, well, if we gave like the median income, if, if, we, if we gave based on uh, on a median income, then we would, have, we would have an extra $1.2 million a year to just do work for Jesus with. I mean, think of what we would be able to do, of what we'd plant, what we'd support, where, where that would all go. It would be amazing. And all it would require is that each part does its work. How about if we didn't even give according to the, to the median? How about if we just gave half of the median? Right? Because we're, we're not even a third of, me, of the median right now. What if we just gave half of the median income? Well, if we, if we just did that, then, then we would have an additional $330,000 a year. I mean, just if we stumbled forward a tiny bit. And think of what we could do with that. We would be fully staffed. We would have an extra building. For, for 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 yet another region, we would have so many extra young people that would be able to be in internships and we would do such amazing things to support the campus ministries where our teams will go throughout the rest of the small churches in Virginia. That's if we just halfway step up as as each part does its work among the six hundred and fifty of, of the others some of you who are like visiting saying i don't see 650 people here we have four regions we have campus tidewater coastal and peninsula and so uh, there, are are uh, plenty of other people but they meet at different times and in different places by the way uh because you're wondering about that but nonetheless we that's something i think if we took a, a serious look at like are, are we just okay with like i'm not going to be a part that, that that does work in this area uh, or, or contribute to, to what it is. My goodness, if we actually all had the same heart towards the first fruits, oh my goodness, we would be having the wherewithal to be making some serious, serious changes. You say, well, God will provide. Yes, he will provide by giving you 650 people with incomes. Maybe that's the way that he's providing along the way. Uh, but my goodness, it, we're, we're, what, what are we all doing, you know, as, as we have all of that? So, amen. Enough said on that. Uh, Mentor a teen. If you don't have anything else you can think of right now, well then, why not, why not talk to a teen's parents and say, you know what, I'm, I'm happy to kind of augment what's going on in their Bible studies right now. Or especially, how many, how many preteens do we have coming into the teen ministry in just a couple months? 22. 22 coming into the teen ministry. That's some work to do. How about encourage, exhort a new member? We've had in the, uh, in the last year over a 100 people baptized, restored to Christ. That's a lot of people. Plus, we've had a lot of people move in that you probably don't know well. and They probably don't know a, a lot of people really well. Is Kevin here tonight? Ke- oh, he, he drives all the way down from Eastern Shore, right? How about Chris? Even Chris who moved in. How many people know Chris? Raise your hand, Chris. Chris is here student teaching, right? But probably not a lot of you know Chris. But if if, if fellowship time is a time where each part does its work and you're not just kind of going to the path of least resistance, but you're going to every single person that you don't know, well, then you are a part that's doing its work. But if all you're doing is going to the path of least resistance, get your needs met in some way or another, rather than see how, how you can meet somebody else's needs, then each part doesn't end up doing its work. Feed the hungry. We're charged with that every first Saturday of every month. Just over the bridge at Southern Newport News, we feed a whole lot of homeless people at Nehemiah's Nook. Uh, it's it's first Saturday starts around eight forty-five, nine a.m. We're done by eleven. It's a, it's a pretty amazing uh, program that we have. Every if you're free on the daytimes, every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at eleven a.m., we give out a bag of groceries to many, I mean, a hundred people every day out of our peninsula building. It's an amazing program. Uh, Five Loaves uh, sponsors it, but they, they do it out of our building, and we jump on in and, and make a big difference with them. On Tuesday nights, we're here, but they also do a, a whole lot on Tuesday nights as well. And as any of that ends up shifting, then we'll, we'll know more about that. Plus, once a month, we also go over and, and try to help out the um, the, the union mission. And lately, we've had a lot of people come, but sometimes it waxes and wanes, and all of that. But if you want to be part that it does its work, well, then feed the hungry, help help those that are um, less privileged. Um, what other can you do? Offer gleanings. I, the reason I talk about first fruits and gleanings is the way the Old Testament talks about it. Uh, in the Old Testament, the very first of your crops was your worship to God, but the edges of your field—that was for your fellows. Who were not as in good a shape as you, maybe dire straits, maybe marginalized by society, uh, aliens foreigners that, that had come through, and, and that 's that little kind of little extra that lanyap, as they say down in Louisiana, a little something there uh, for somebody. if we just average this is so convicting if we just average three dollars per person on on Tuesday nights when, when we do this collection we would have $100, $104,000 a year which would more than take care of giving money to Hope Worldwide and seeing that spread and multiply with a reach around the world. Great stuff going on in Bolivia, throughout India, in Cambodia, in, in uh, Nairobi. Amazing stuff that's happening there. Plus, we would be able to fund new projects here. And we'd have enough to take care of every request that we get for benevolence from our members. And then begin to have a ministry by which we can then give out some of that benevolence to the uh, society that calls us all the time as well. But what would it take? I mean, I feel like Sally Field. For just $3, you can feed a child. Right? But, but that's all that it would be! Three dollars, now of course we realize we do have our youth who may not actually be in a position to give three dollars, so I, I don't think of it as myself as like, well, I'm in better shape than my kids, so I probably ought to be given a good bit more than three dollars if, if I'm gonna kinda look across the landscape and, and cost average this thing. And uh, you know, we're all grown ups, so I think we can kinda figure, we're not all grown ups, of course. Some of us, you know, get factored out. Um, <laughs> but you do your part. In other ways. Uh, And then finally, train. Train for greater service. One of the great ways to be ready to step up into service is when there's something that's going on for training, jump on in. Disciple Makers starts next Tuesday. And if you've not gone through Disciple Makers, I want to encourage you to be part of it. But if you're not going to be part of it from front to finish, then don't come. Because it's going to be rigorous. It's going to be difficult. It's much harder than the guard, the gospel series. And in some ways it's easier, but it is, it is very demanding. And if you, if you wish to be part of it, well then bring it on. We'll be in the next room to do that for the next seven midweeks, starting next week. Uh, and we'll, we'll, continue though with our Ephesians lessons in here. I, I'm not expecting everybody to go over there, but I'm expecting some who for the next seven weeks, you can really dedicate a good bit of time to homework, And and really, a a rigorous pursuit of learning how to better lead someone through the seeker studies to help them go from dead in sin to alive in Christ. Well, then come on. There'll be quizzes every week. There'll be assignments every week. There'll be a serious final exam. And and there will be memory and there'll be homework every single week. Am I trying to scare you? Just a little bit. But I know there are some of you who are like, I'm going to do this, man. But whichever way it goes, that's fine. Just know that this is being offered. And I feel like I've not done a good job of offering all of the stuff that we've got. So we're, we're going to get more intense about being intentional, being deliberate, and providing the resources to keep everybody training on up because we're the body of Christ. And we're going to do some work because we are his workmanship. Let me close it here on this slide. We'll break to our groups and have a good discussion of how it is that you can step up and be part of each part as it does its work. Amen.